Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Saturius Johnson. California's four urban gateways are firmly established as cultural hubs that feature amazing restaurants, museums, theaters, hotels, and other attractions. But they all offer so much more than that, including vast outdoor spaces that provide locals and visitors with plenty of fresh air experiences. We'll start in San Diego, where you can tour the historic gas lamp quarter on a bike or a Segway and visit beautiful La Jolla Cove. Folks get a really great experience with Mother Nature right there. You can smell the ocean water. You can even sometimes feel the spray of the water when you're standing there looking at the seals that call La Jolla Cove home. After that, we'll check out the remarkable culinary scene in and around Anaheim, and we'll meet an author who wrote the book on hiking in LA's Griffith Park, which you've definitely seen in movies and on TV. It's over 4,300 acres. It is the largest city park in Los Angeles and one of the largest city parks in the country. And celebrated San Francisco chef Tracy Desjardins shares some of her favorite spots in the Presidio, including great ways to enjoy views of the Golden Gate Bridge. That's all coming up on California Now. San Diego has a lot to offer, whether you're there for sunshine, sightseeing and fresh air, world-class craft beer, or whatever. My next guest runs the kind of place that can help you get your bearings so you know where to go. Kenneth Lipman runs Another Side of San Diego Tours. He leads people on hikes, bike rides, and Segway tours all around the county. Welcome to California Now, Kenneth. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, you know, showing people around San Diego, enjoying the phenomenal weather, how did you get into this line of work? Well, actually, it's kind of a unique story. I used to work for a small bank. Uh, Many people probably haven't heard of it. It's called Chase. (laughs) And uh, I was a loan officer at the time of the the banking crisis and walked into work one day and uh, basically was told that we're all being laid off. And um, I actually thought that that was a really a blessing uh, because I knew what I wanted to do while I was daydreaming in my cubicle there, making a pretty good living. I actually was very passionate about the tourism and travel industry. And I thought of the company, Another Side of San Diego Tours, where I could maybe take people on a little bit better experience of San Diego. So it was kind of like, you know, the impetus you needed to kind of follow your dream. Exactly. Everyone else was crying, but I was like double fist pumping and having that like Jerry Maguire (laughs) moment where I had my my entire desk in my right hand. I have my goldfish in my left hand. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm going to go start a tour company. Who's coming with me? Oh, wow. That's really amazing. Uh, Why San Diego? Well, I went to the Ohio State University, and uh, when I would walk to class, I used to think, this is a frozen tundra. This should not be inhabited. (laughs) And uh, for my very last spring break uh, of college, I actually was lucky enough to go and visit my cousin, who uh, rented a really nice kind of beach shack in the La Jolla Shores area. I was in San Diego for honestly mere moments and I knew that this was the place that I wanted to be. It's exciting for me just even today. Uh, if I'm out on tour, I still feel that very same excitement that I did 21 years ago when I first came here. I see on your site that you offer walking tours and bike tours, Segway tours. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about each one. Where should we start? The tour that we're famous for 
is called the Gaslamp Segway Tour. And the name is kind of a misnomer because it covers so much more than the Gaslamp. But it's a cool name, and I've stuck with it for all these years, so I'm not going to change it. But it covers the Gaslamp, the Bayfront, and we go up to Balboa Park. Um, and it, the, the park is so big that we go from basically the Prado, the main, the main part of the park, from the front to the back in the Prado area. So where the museums line the park, the center of the park. And, and then we come back downtown. We offer that same tour as a bike tour and also as an e-bike tour. So um, a lot of the different tours that we have, they kind of overlap, but it's just, what did you want to ride today? Did you want to ride a Segway and do an, an exploration of downtown San Diego? Did you want to ride a bike through Balboa Park? We also offer food tours because downtown San Diego is famous for having lots of different great restaurants. Is it called the Gas Lamp District because the street lamps are still lit by gas? Yeah, well, there's actually just four remaining gas lamps. They're um, on the corner of Fifth Avenue and um, Market Street. And those are the only remaining ones. But back in the day, um, when the ships would come in, the sailors wanted to have fun. They had gone all the way around South America, and they hadn't seen a lady in a long time. And it became kind of a a rough spot, known for gambling and uh, brothels, houses of ill repute, et cetera, et cetera. So um, there were gas lamps that would like keep the light on to try to... uh, prevent uh what was happening but uh that later became the name of the area or the particular district which is considered a historic district Mm -hmm. and um it's like 16 blocks big but it's actually you know even some of the surrounding areas consider themselves in the gas lamp but uh yeah it was basically to try to make the night into day and kind of make it, uh, keep the party going. Yes. To keep the party going, but you know, keep it a little bit safer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You mentioned food tours. Um, I'm guessing that little Italy must be on that itinerary. Is it? Absolutely. Little Italy is actually become the hottest part per se of, of downtown. And the reason that it's so popular is it's not just Italian food. It's got lots of different types of food, Uh, tapas. uh, You can find um, the best steakhouse in in, uh, downtown, arguably, in uh, Little Italy. It's also famous for its farmer's market that they have there every Saturday. And there's a really cool place that I like personally. It's famous for fried chicken. It's called the Crack Shack. And that's really cool too. But there's some really high end, like almost what we would consider like LA style restaurants, uh, like uh, Juniper and Ivy and Kettner Exchange and Urban Wood. And these are, I don't, pardon me, I don't know all of the um, chefs, but these are like world-class famous chefs that um, have opened their restaurants down there. And it's a really an amazing place. Uh, great place to get some craft beer um, at, with Ballast Point, which was a local craft brewery that opened. And uh, I think it was maybe a year or two uh, ago, it sold for over a billion dollars. Hmm. So yeah, makes you want to start making beer in the garage or whatever. <laughs> you never know what can happen. So, Kenneth, I know you show people around La Jolla. Can you tell us what people get to see when they are visiting La Jolla with you? 
Absolutely. La Jolla is really known as the jewel of San Diego, and there is so much to see there. It's really, in my opinion, the most beautiful part of the city. We like to start by going to the highest coastal mountaintop. That's called Mount Soledad. And at Mount Soledad, there's actually a war memorial up there as well. But it gives you a bird's eye view of the entire coast. And on a clear day, there's no better view of the entire city of San Diego than and the ocean that you can get from up there. We also like to take people to La Jolla Shores, which is at the base of the mountain. This is probably considered the most family-friendly beach in all of San Diego. It's a very wide open beach, and it's got a really cool landmark there as well, which is Scripps Pier. Scripps Pier is uh, part of the Scripps Institute of Oceanography. And while we can't go out on the pier, uh, it really is beautiful to see the pier and the entire beach area and the entire cove from there. And that brings me to La Jolla Cove, which is really one of those things that honestly will take your breath away. La Jolla Cove is a protected uh, ocean sanctuary. And actually less than 1% of the ocean is protected. So that means no fishing, no drilling, no anything that could possibly hurt uh, Mother Nature there. Basically, it's so beautiful. It's famous for the La Jolla kayak tours that go and check out the caves. Once you're in a kayak looking up at La Jolla, it gives you an amazing perspective of La Jolla itself, where you can see the houses that are on the hillsides and even the ones that are closer down to the cove. And then the caves were actually formed by millions and millions of years of the tide coming in and out and basically crashing up against the sandstone, which makes up La Jolla Cove. So we offer the La Jolla Cove kayak tours as well, so you can come check those out. And then uh, really the highlight of seeing La Jolla is the children's pool. And at the children's pool, that's where the harbor seals and sea lions like to go and chillax, I like to say. (laughs) And uh, you'll see them also during pupping season. You'll see the really, really small harbor seals. But folks get a really great experience with Mother Nature right there. You can smell the ocean water. You can even sometimes feel the spray of the water when you're standing there looking at the seals that call La Jolla Cove home. It's amazing. Well, Kenneth, this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. I appreciate it. Kenneth Lipman is the owner of Another Side of San Diego Tours online. That's anothersideofsandiegotours.com. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website. Visit california.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Orange County is our next stop, a destination blessed with great weather, great hotels, and world-class shopping. As my next guest demonstrates, it also boasts a wide variety of options for foodies, including breweries, cocktails, and international cuisine. Greg Nagel is an Orange County food and beverage writer here to tell us about a few personal favorites in and around Anaheim. Welcome to California Now, Greg. So, Darius, thanks for having me. So, let's start in Anaheim. Where would you send a friend or family member visiting from out of town and looking for some memorable bites? 
So that's pretty easy. Um, five years ago, the Anaheim Packing House opened up. And it's this great orange packing facility that opened up, I think, early 1900s and has been repurposed into a food hall. And there's somewhere around like 30 or so independently owned chef driven eateries that have um, anything from Indian food to soul food to burgers and stuff like that. So it's really sort of like a wealth of anything you want. So where when you go there, where are some of your favorite places to go and what do you order? One of my favorite things to eat in the entire packing house is uh, this place called Adya. It's fresh Indian flavors uh, run by Chef Shachi Mera. And she has this gooey thing called a goat cheese naan. It's hmm. something like five or six bucks or something like that. But it's this gooey goat cheese naan. It's super hot. And uh, it's one of these things that goes great with a beer mm. or a wine. Um, it's one of those just like perfect values to sink your teeth into from there. That sounds yummy. What I love about food halls is that you can go with like your family or with a group of friends and you know, you don't all have to decide on one cuisine. You, everybody can kind of like split up, get what they want and come back to a table and enjoy a really great meal together. Oh, totally. When my fam goes, that's exactly what we do. We sort of split up uh, divide and conquer, come <laughs> back with like a spread of different appetizers and, and drinks and sort of enjoy from there. What are, what are some of your other favorites that are there? So one of the first places I would recommend is, besides Adya is George's. It's a soul food place that has really good fried chicken and fried catfish. Um, they also have like peach sangria that you can sip on while you're enjoying your authentic soul food. It's super good. Probably not the best thing for you, but uh, it's one of those things that... <laughs> one of those once in know, a while When you're things. on vacation. Yeah, right. when you're on vacation or something like that, that's, that's what I would check out for sure. Uh-huh. And, you know, I imagine these places are doing a lot of outdoor dining and to-go orders these days, right? Yeah, actually, in the packing district, there's a park um, that's situated between this uh, one side of Anaheim Brewery. There's a, a huge park area that has sort of like farmer's markets and stuff like that. But they've sort of repurposed that to um, outdoor eating area. So you can order food. You can take it out for a quick picnic in the park. Um, some of the restaurants have actually moved out to the park, so you can order out there and they can cook it up inside the packing house and bring it out. Super safe and uh, and really cool to experience. So so what about some restaurants that are outside of the packing house? Um, what are some places that you would recommend people to, to experience um, when they're in Anaheim that they really just have to get to? Yeah, you know, definitely. So one of my first places I'll recommend is called The Ranch. It's sort of like a country western saloon on one side where they have authentic uh, saloon line dancing. And on the other side, it's one of the best steakhouses in uh, in Orange County. Um, everything from your tomahawks down to whatever you want uh, as far as steaks and bites. It's really cool. Really sort of um, got a, a great vibe in there. Hmm. Uh, you know, more more broadly, Anaheim has become a, a really like serious destination for craft beer lovers, right? Why Why is that? And how did it come to be? Well, funny story, uh, maybe about, uh, let's see, I would say about 10 years ago, the mayor, Tom Tate came to me at a brewery anniversary party and asked, uh, how do we get more breweries to come to Anaheim? And I explained to him that, um, opening a brewery is really difficult, not only money wise and getting all the parts and labor and stuff like that to actually build a brewery, but there's a lot of red tape involved, uh, in building an alcohol production facility. So he sought out to meet with uh, a lot of the local brewers at the time and came out with a list of things to do and, and how to sort of cut all the red tape to get more breweries here. And 
at the time we had two. Now we have about 15. Hmm. So Anaheim is really booming in that area. That's really incredible. So so what are a couple of the standouts in the area uh, for people who want to, uh, you know, partake in the local brewery scene? Where would you send people? Well, there's no better place right now than Modern Times. Uh, Modern Times is a brewery that came to us down from San Diego. Um, they just opened a place called Leisure Town. Um, <laughs> it sounds exactly, it looks exactly like it sounds. It's got this huge outdoor mid-century modern beer mecca with a swimming pool it's got three bars and there's uh, ample area to kind of spread out and enjoy food and speaking of all their food is uh is plant-based are there any beers in particular that that really just say anaheim that are really kind of just um you know a signature beer of the area um yes actually i would say there's a brewery called anaheim brewery actually in the packing district right up the street from modern times that has a beer called 1888, sort of a throwback to what beer was like back in Anaheim, 1888. It's uh, built on a recipe called a California common or like a steam beer. It's one of those classic recipes that uh, you can taste a little bit of history and it just as refreshing today. That's really great. Um, I'm a big beach guy and I know Orange County has some of the best in the world. Where would you send me? Newport Beach is maybe about 20, 25 minutes away from Anaheim. Uh, Newport Beach, there's all kinds of fun stuff to do. One of the first things I would recommend is, would be a hike around Crystal Cove Park. Um, it's a state park. I think it's like 10 or 15 bucks to get in, but there's um, these gorgeous views, um, stunning hikes that go all the way down to the beach and overlook sort of all the Pacific Ocean and stuff like that. Other than that, uh, one of the things I recommend, like family, friends coming out, out of town, is to rent a Duffy boat. Hmm. Um, there's like these little uh, electric motorboats that go around the harbor. And you can go take out maybe six to eight of your closest friends and have a, a nice little afternoon floating around the, the harbor. It's really cool. Oh, that is really cool. So you don't really need any special experience to rent those and drive those around? Nope. Uh, you can rent them yourself. Uh it's it's not like you're out on the wild seas. It, the <laughs> the harbor is really calm, and it's just where boats sort of come in and out of the harbor. Yeah, I love going to the beach and just spending an afternoon lying out and hit, hitting the water. Can you talk a little little bit about you know some of the beaches and um, you know how they differ? What's the vibe like? Newport Beach is sort of like a party town. I would I would describe it. There's a lot of bars along the um, along the boardwalk area. There's uh, some pretty good restaurants and stuff along the way, too. There's a Balboa Fun Zone you can hit as far as a little bit further south. There's Laguna Beach, which is sort of an arts community. Mm -hmm. That's a really good place to go uh, check out some cool local art and get a bite to eat as well. There's really good restaurants in Laguna Beach as well. And Laguna Beach is also, I mean, it's an, an art scene, like you say, but it's also like, it's also a beach scene as well, right? In addition to having a really great town right there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The beach is really cool. They have tide pools there that you can kind of um, go around and check out starfish and, you know, see what's happening in the ocean there. It's it's really cool to, to pick out some shells and stuff. Uh, they don't recommend taking them home, but right. it's it's rad to, to check that out. What about Huntington Beach? Huntington Beach is sort of like the surfer's paradise. It's got, I don't know, like 18 miles of beach um, that you can uh, go surf uh, around the piers, the hot spot. That's where the best break is um, for whatever reason. That That's where the OP Pro Championship is, I think, every year. Yeah. And yeah. And it's actually, if you're, if you're not a surfer yourself, it's a great place to kind of like, I'm assuming, watch uh, surfers as they hit the waves, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. You can walk out on the pier and, and get a bird's eye view of what's happening with all the surfing there. It's, it's fascinating to watch from the top. We'd be remiss to not note that Orange County and shopping are practically synonymous. So just for someone who's never been to this outdoor shopping mall called Fashion Island, what is that like? So Fashion Island is a outdoor shopping mecca. It's uh, Even if you're not shopping, it's just a beautiful place to kind of stroll around and bring a dog and check stuff out. Um, there's really cool fountains and koi ponds and stuff like that. So you can, even if you're not shopping, you can, I'm not a huge shopper. My wife is. So I can go sort of chill out with a book and she can go do her stuff. But as far as um, stores, there's everything from like your Neiman Marcus, Bloomingdale's and stuff like that down to smaller, more local things. Right. So so they're, they're big kind of like upper scale department stores, but also like boutique stores as well. And then you're saying like exactly. smaller, like local, local boutiques. Yeah. Sort of like Rodeo Drive comes to Orange County. Uh, I see. Okay. Greg, this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thanks so much. Greg Nagel is a food and beverage writer based in Orange County, California. He's on Twitter and Instagram at OCBeerBlog. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Even if you've never been to Los Angeles, you've seen Griffith Park in movies, going back to Rebel Without a Cause, or in TV shows like Criminal Minds. At over 4,000 acres, the park is huge, and my next guest, Casey Schreiner, literally wrote the book on the place. It's called Discovering Griffith Park, A Local's Guide. Casey's here to tell us about a few favorite hikes and other ways to take it all in. Welcome to California Now, Casey. Thank you so much. Great to be here. So I feel like I know of Griffith Park, but I don't really know it. So let's start with the basics. What are the Griffith Park essentials? Sure. So Griffith Park is, uh, you know, it's over 4,300 acres. It is uh, the largest city park in Los Angeles and one of the largest city parks in the country. It's home to the Hollywood sign, the Griffith Observatory, the L.A. Zoo, uh, among many, many other features, including, uh, you know, between 50 and 70 miles of hiking trails, equestrian trails, biking paths, museums. It really is kind of despite the fact that many, many people know about it and, you know, between 10 and 12 million people a year visit it, it remains kind of an undiscovered gem of Southern California. That's kind of crazy. I mean, so many people visit it, but I guess it's so large that you you don't necessarily feel, uh, you know, in a crowd when you're in Griffith Park because it's just so big. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the things about it is uh, it, it is multiple times the size of both, you know, New York Central Park and San Francisco's Golden Gate Park. But the difference is, those parks are kind of those big rectangles, right? Like when you think of a big city urban park, you kind of think of that classic Central Park. You can see the whole thing in one fell swoop. Griffith isn't like that. It's got these weird tendrils kind of going off in every direction. And there's literally a mountain range running through it. It's the far eastern end of the Santa Monica Mountain. So you really can't see the whole park all in one spot. How did you first get the idea to write a book all about Griffith Park? Well, I am lucky enough to live pretty close to Griffith Park. I live just off the one of the southern entrances in a neighborhood called Thai Town in L.A., kind of East Hollywood. Um, so I can walk to the park. And, you know, I've lived there for about seven and a half years now. And uh, Griffith Park was my go to hiking location when I didn't want to spend time in my car driving out to the Santa Monica's or the San Gabriel Mountains. The park celebrates its 120th anniversary next year. And as I was kind of hiking and digging into the park and learning its history, I was really shocked 
to discover that no one has ever written an in-depth guidebook for it. Um, it's been written about in many other books before, but there's no one that's ever really done like kind of a pocket visitor center for the park, which is what I did with Discovering Griffith Park. Um, so I figured, hey, it's never been done. I live right next to it. I might as well do it. And, you know, the park really is in everything from like La La Land to the zoo scene in Anchorman and even the original Adam West Batcave, right? Yep, that's the uh, Bronson Cave, which is a leftover remnant from a quarry that was operating kind of near the turn of the century. And that small little leftover quarry cave has been in so many things. It's been in Star Trek. It's been in Army of Darkness. Um, it was in the John Wayne flick, The Searchers. Um, but it is most famous for the Batcave. And it's actually a really easy hike if you just want to get to the Batcave. Uh, and if you are looking to see the Hollywood sign, that's also one of my favorite places to see it uh, right from the other side of the Batcave. You know, you mentioned the Hollywood sign. Is there a way to to kind of get close to it or or see it that doesn't disturb people who live around there? Because a lot of people do live right around the park. Yeah, that's the thing that surprises a lot of people is, uh, you know, you think that the Hollywood sign is this big landmark, and it is, and you think it's in this big city park, which it is, but there's also people who live there. Uh, and those houses were built in, you know, sometimes the 19-teens, 1920s. The roads are really not built for the kinds of traffic that a major tourist attraction like that would create. Um, the great thing about the book is I give you over a dozen different places to go and see the Hollywood sign. Um, not always directly from the front or not always from that like super close angle, but there are places where you can get really, really great views and not even have to enter that neighborhood. Um, the Hollywood uh, or, or the Mulholland Dam, which makes kind of the Lake Hollywood Reservoir, is one of my favorite places to see the, uh, the sign. You can see it from the Bronson Cave, as I mentioned before. You can see it from the observatory, which is nowhere near that neighborhood. There's plenty of trails that you can see it from as well. Um, and there's even an option if you just wanted to literally take a subway get out the subway and ride up an escalator near the Hollywood and Highland Shopping Center. There's a straight on view from there uh, that will give you a, a pretty nice view of the of the sign. Not the best view, but definitely um, the, the least amount of effort. So let's get into some of your favorite hikes. Uh, why don't we start with one that's relatively short and easy, but, you know, I still get a lot out of it. Um, so if you want to do one of the short and easy ones, one of my favorite places to go, um, it's a it's a place called Ferndale. Um, this is kind of in the southern part of the park, right up near Western Avenue, where it turns into Los Feliz Boulevard. Um, it's a very short, very shaded, very easy path um, that you can just do on its own. It's a beautiful location. Um, you're running uh, kind of next to this um, seasonal spring-fed creek that has, you know, koi in it and turtles. Um, it's a section of the park that is shaded. Uh, it's a section that they tried to kind of garden and add a lot more trees than would be there otherwise. So it's generally a cooler part of the park. Um, and if you just want to do the Ferndale Walk, there's lots of history along the way. There's really cool statues. Um, it ends at a place called the Trails Cafe, which is a great place to get iced tea or coffee or scones. Uh, and if you wanted to go further into the park, you could very easily make a longer day of that. Um, you can hike up to the observatory, you could hike up to Mount Hollywood, you can even do a cross-park trek all the way up to Traveltown in the north side of the park. But it's it's great for everyone, it's great for beginners, um, and it's honestly, it's my favorite way to enter into the park. Oh, that's great. What about uh, one that's longer or more challenging, but well worth the trek? So a longer one I would recommend is a route that goes from the old LA Zoo up to the top of Mount Hollywood. And there's a lovely trail that goes up to Mount Hollywood, which is not where the Hollywood sign is, and it's not the highest point in Griffith Park, <laughs> but it is one of the most popular places to go. And there's terrific views of LA from up there. That's Honestly, that's one of my favorite hikes to do. So how long would that hike take? 
Uh, that one from start to finish, if you're doing kind of an out and back, I think it's around five or so miles, um, but really pretty easy for most part. Uh, there's really only one or two sections where it gets kind of steep. Um, there is not a ton of shade on that trail, though. Um, most actually, a lot of the hikes in Griffith Park don't have a ton of shade. So especially like, you know, October, November can still be pretty hot in L.A. Mm -hmm. um, but once we start getting those winter rains, you know, December or January, it'll be a beautiful time to go hiking there. That sounds great. Say I wanted some alone time, you know, like to clear my head. What's the best way to get it in Griffith Park? Well, that's one of the great things about Griffith Park is despite having 10 to 12 million visitors a year, you can still find some pretty amazing peace and solitude in the park. Um, if you're a hiker and you want to avoid the crowds, um, stay away from the observatory and stay away from the Hollywood sign. Those are the two most jam-packed locations. But if you go to the north side of the park or even parts of the east side of the park, you'll have a lot more peace and quiet. Um, specifically, the north side, there's a trail called the Skyline Trail um, that kind of runs from Travel Town to the new LA Zoo. Um, it's more popular with equestrians. Um, generally, not a lot of hikers up there. And you'll get some really lovely views and some options for some side trails, too, that are even less populated than the Skyline Trail is. And so, like, I guess for, you know, for people who want to take a hike like that, say, in the less populated areas, you know, you want to prepare, you want to bring maybe, you know, your lunch or a snack and your sunblock and a water bottle and things like that, right? Yeah, of course. That's the, that's the thing that a lot of folks kind of tend to forget is they think it's a city park like Central Park, and they forget that you're actually hiking. And in a lot of places, you are actually hiking in places where, you know, you might not always know which way to go. There's a lot of trail signs now, but there are still some places where you can get confused and turned around. And, you know, there's wildlife up there. It's really hot. It's really dry. There's not always water. I've seen people in the deep interior of the park in like dress slacks and dress shoes um, <laughs> that are really, really lost. Um, so definitely don't make that mistake. If you know, it's a lot of the hikes in Griffith Park are not really, really difficult, but they are still hikes and you are still out in the wilderness. Yeah, you definitely have to be prepared. And, and is there cell service throughout the whole Griffith Park? Not the complete Griffith Park. And depending on what carrier you have, um, you can be inside Griffith Park and looking at like an Ikea or an In-N-Out <laughs> burger and not have any cell signal. Wow. So don't depend on your cell phone. For right. the most part, you'll be okay. Um, but don't depend on your cell phone. Don't, like, don't make that the only thing. That, that you do to be prepared. Right, 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 right. Well, b before I let you go, I know Griffith Park has more than 100 years of history. Do you have any favorite nuggets to share? Oh, man, there are just so many uh, great items of history in Griffith Park. And one of the things that I really discovered uh, while I was working on this book was that you can really tell the entire history of Los Angeles and the history of the West in Griffith Park. There's land rights issues. There's water rights issues. Um, there were riots in the park. There were the, one of the very first gay ins in the world was in the park. Um, there's been protests. There's been cultural movements. Um, there's been movies. There's been TV. There's been weird murders. Uh, it's, it's really whatever you want to tell as far as a story is concerned. You can tell it inside the park. Well, Casey, this has been really great. Thanks so much for joining us on California Now. Thank you so much, and hope you have a great time in Griffith. <laughs> Thanks. Casey Schreiner is the author of Discovering Griffith Park, A Local's Guide. You can find it online or through your favorite bookseller. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now.
Just south of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco is a lush 1,500-acre park on a former military base called the Presidio. It's a remarkable place to spread your wings, take in some fresh air, and enjoy one-of-a-kind views of the bridge. My next guest certainly knows her way around both the Presidio and the kitchen. You might recognize veteran chef Tracy Desjardins from shows like Top Chef Masters. She's a two-time James Beard Award winner and a true culinary rock star. Welcome to California Now, Tracy. Thanks. Very lovely to be here today. So, you know, you've spent a lot of time in the Presidio. What makes this place special? You know, I had not spent a lot of time in the Presidio prior to opening the restaurants there six years ago. And um, it just has been this incredible period of discovery. There are so many nooks and crannies and places to see and be in in the Presidio. And I'm a country girl, so I sort of uh, just like to, you know, kind of walk around and discover on my own rather than reading guides and following maps and that kind of stuff. And I've spent a lot of time there uh, hiking with my dog, riding my bike. Um, And there are just so many little places that you can find by wandering around. And I'm I'm happy to share some of those discoveries with you. But um, it is just an extraordinary uh, gem and I, I couldn't be prouder to have a place and a space and outdoor uh, uh, adventures like this uh, to share in, in San Francisco. Um, but it is just an extraordinary resource. There really is no other park like it. And there's so many great outdoor activities that you can do there. So what are a few that stick out in your mind? Yeah, so um, I love, I started, um, I think about three or four years ago, I did a, um, a fundraiser for Share Our Strength um, and No Kid Hungry, uh, which was a 300-mile bike ride in three days. And so I did a lot of training, and oftentimes my, my training would start in the Presidio. Um, if I didn't have a lot of time, I would do loops and circles and, and ride uh, my road bike around the Presidio. Or I would head out over the Golden Gate Bridge and go into to Marin and do some loops there. But in the Presidio itself, there are really um, a lot of amazing bike rides. Um, and it's a great way to discover the Presidio and all of the vistas, um, like Golden Gate Overlook, Inspiration Point. Uh, and those are discoverable on a bike. Um, I also have a dog, and I love mm-hmm. to walk. And, of course, it's all on leash, except for at Chrissy Field. But you can you can take some great uh, dog walks there. Um, some of the places I love to visit are the Goldsworthy uh, sculptures. Those never get old, um, and they're just uh, amazing to to go and see and and behold. And when you talk about say bike riding um, and maybe even just walking through the park, is it a hilly terrain or is it relatively flat? I mean, how difficult or easy are the bike rides and the walks through the park? Can you so, can you kind of select a course that is easier or moderate or more difficult? Uh, you know, uh, pertaining to your level. Yeah, there are some some good hills there that if you're not a serious bicyclist with a serious bike, you should probably avoid. Uh, <laughs> but there are also a lot of um, flat places. Um, and there are also bikes, there are also electric bikes, which in San Francisco are, are really great, especially if you don't know the area well, um, to have that little bit of an assist to get up a, a steep hill should you find yourself on one and not feel like you've got the uh, the leg power to get it up <laughs> at, uh, on your own, on your own uh, power. You know, with all the the hustle and bustle of San Francisco's many great neighborhoods, it's it's really easy to forget sometimes that this beautiful open space is right there and and so available to locals and visitors alike. Yeah, and I think that it's really been uh, you know here I was I, I really like to just kind of wander and uh, there there's some great residential neighborhoods in the Presidio that I think 
are, are really fun to discover on foot and you can just sort of find yourself in, in this area that has, you know, beautiful homes that are all for rent, by the way, people don't uh, buy those, they, they rent them. Hmm. Um, and they have their own little gardens. And, and so you can sort of get this idea of, of, of a lifestyle in San Francisco in this park, um, which is, is extraordinary. You know, the golf course is wonderful to walk on, obviously, you know, probably not when people are swinging golf clubs and golf balls are flying around, <laughs> but that's also super beautiful. Um, some of my favorite spots are El Poland Spring, um, Fort Point. Uh, I love, um, and uh, again, I'll, I'll mention the the Goldsworthy um, sculptures because those are something that are just so special and and unique to the to Presidio and really shouldn't be missed. So, what are these sculptures like? Are they are they very big? How you know? Are there a lot of them throughout the park? Um, talk to us a little bit about what these sculptures are like. Yeah, so there are four Goldsworthy sculptures in the Presidio. Um, one is called Spire, and that one's fairly evident. It is a tall structure that looks like a uh, TP without a cover on it, and you know, super, super beautiful. And you can actually see that one from the road. Um, I think it's Arguello that goes down um, the Arguello Gate. Spire is pretty easy to find. There is um, Earthwall, which is, I think, it was his most recent sculpture that he put in. Really gorgeous. And then in Lover's Lane, there's Treefall, which is a great place to walk your dog on a leash. You can cruise through and see this um, beautiful, it's a flat sculpture that's a a layout of of eucalyptus uh, logs that have fallen. And then the last one is in the Powder Magazine, which is just opposite the Officers Club. And that one is called Treefall. And uh, it's the ceiling of this old tiny little um, powder keg magazine. Um, opposite the Officers Club, and just extraordinary. Um, and Goldsworthy has been a frequent visitor. He he loves the Presidio. He loves the natural forms that are found there. And that's a like a, a real treasure, and and certainly a, a worldwide destination place and thing to visit uh, when in the Presidio. Yeah, it sounds it. Um, so so you know when you're looking for some solitude in the big city, is is there a particular place in the Presidio that you like to go to? Yeah, I, I love I love the vista of um, Inspiration Point. Uh, and, and you have this beautiful city and, and bay view and you can look over to the right and see the, the eucalyptus forest and the, and the city and then to the left of the bay. And um, that's one of my favorite points, um, places. And it, it doesn't um, doesn't get super crowded. And so you can find a quiet moment there, um, even though it's pretty accessible by car. And of course, you know, Fort Point is really special because it's right underneath the the Golden Gate Bridge, and you can see the surfers who are extraordinarily brave off to your right that are surfing that little that little break that comes in uh, right under the Golden Gate Bridge, um, and look at the bottom of the the Golden Gate. But I, I mean, I know that I haven't, I certainly haven't discovered all of the places in the Presidio. There are so many, hmm. um, and it's worth just wandering around. And there's this this great big project going on right now uh, at the Presidio called the Tunnel Tops, which, you know, kind of seems like it's going to be adding a whole new great amenity uh, to the park. Can you tell folks a little, a little bit about what the Tunnel Tops are? Yeah, the Tunnel Tops um, were the project to uh, cover up the, the freeway that bisected the Presidio. And um, what they've been working on over the last few years, and this is due to open in 2021, is to go ahead and take the freeway and put it inside of a tunnel, cover that up so that they can create these parklands that will reach from the main post down to Chrissy Field. And the designers of the landscape architects that they chose for the project are the same uh, ones who did the High Line in New York. And so this promises to just cinch the Presidio as a 
world destination and make it at the top of everyone's list. Um, obviously, San Francisco and the Bay Area are already a wonderful place to visit from anywhere that you live or if you're a San Franciscan. But this is going to make this park, I think, something so special where you can really walk from the main post down to Christie Field and enjoy the vistas of, of the San Francisco Bay and the Golden Gate Bridge and uh, Marin County as you stroll along and um, enjoy the, the beautiful space that's going to be created. What's something a lot of people don't realize about the Presidio? Um, you know, maybe something that you've come to appreciate just by the virtue of spending so much time there. Um, I think that it's, you can make it your own wonderland and it's not very crowded. Uh, that's the thing that I always, ex- that I find extraordinary is that you can really find if you go and walk around um, there, that you could really have private experiences where you really didn't see very many people. And I, I find that just amazing in an urban area that um, you can really kind of just carve out your own little space and feel, um, you know, like there's some solitude and, and some space around you. And I think that to me is, is really the beauty of it is just, um, and, and discovery. Um, I still, hmm. I know that there are places I have not seen in the Presidio hmm. still and can wander through and, you know, not look at a map and just discover little hidden gems here and there. It really sounds like a really great place, especially if you want to spend time outdoors. It's a really wonderful place with the vistas and everything else. Tracy, this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Tracy Desjardins is a longtime San Francisco chef. You can read more about her online at tracydesjardins.com. And she's on Instagram at Tracy Desjardins. For more on the Presidio, visit presidio.gov. And we'll have links to all the great places we discussed on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. We hope you enjoyed this episode and get a chance to hit the road soon. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find our show on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe. And please check out our responsible travel hub on visitcalifornia.com respect. There you'll find information on traveling safely during the pandemic and doing your part to help California remain a safe travel destination over the long haul.